0: This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at VortexChurch.com. We just last week started a brand new series called Friends with Benefits. It's not what you think. Alright, we are we're looking at two different passages out of the Bible, John 15, 15, where Jesus says that I no longer call you servants, speaking to his disciples. I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. That divine invitation into a a friendship with the Son of God. And then zeroing in on this passage of Scripture out of Psalm 103. We're going to go ahead and look at that this morning. Beginning in verse 1 out of Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name, praise the Lord my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And, and David, the writer of this psalm, is speaking to his soul, speaking to his inner man, and saying, let's not forget what God has done for us the benefits that we have experienced out of our relationship with Him. And then he lists out the relational benefits that he has experienced with God. And that's really kind of what this series is zeroing in on. The first one is that He forgives all my sins. And last week we looked at the forgiveness. We're having a little little issue here with our, with our mic. So just bear with us while we work on that. The, uh, and then he, he continues on. He forgives all my sins, heals my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle. This week we're going to zero in on verse 3. Verse 3, where David says this, He redeems me from death. He redeems me from death. And as we begin this study of, of benefits, it's important for you to understand benefits are quite useless for us if we don't understand them. So for example, if you're Work offers a matching funds retirement program, and you're you're not aware of that, not aware of the percentage of your income or the max amount. You cannot take advantage of the benefit that your employer is giving you if you're not aware of what it means. And today, as we zero in on this verse, I think it's quite important for us to spend the the majority of our time today talking about what the word redeems means. Because you're probably like me. You probably are, in some Um, transition in understanding what that words. Uh, To me, I grew up understanding the word redeem or redemption um, really out of experiences at Chuck E. Cheese. Okay, I, I don't know if any of you have ever been to Chuck E. Cheese as an adult, I, I would say that Chuck E. Cheese is is uh, kind of in Dante's somewhere like seventh layer of hell, you know, somewhere up up there. I, I even for a kid, I I would say Chuck E. Cheese is like heaven on earth or 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 hell on earth. Really, it's one of those depends on how you react to large mechanical beings that are trying to play instruments for you. Um, but you know, there there's two sides. Of, of Chuck E. Cheese, right? There's the side where you go and you eat pizza and you watch the mechanical um, mice and, and, I mean, six feet of, of mechanical mice playing a guitar for you or a banjo or whatever it is. Um, but then there's the other side, which is basically a casino for kids right that's really what it is you go parents you you just throw money at that side of of everything and what happens is the kids go and they play games you know they they play the the balls where they roll them up and get points and they and they go play all these you know whack-a-mole games and you get tickets right that's the whole point of the evening is you begin to accumulate and and, and amass you know by the end of the night 1.25 million tickets right and then there is a place at Chuck E. Cheese that they would call the Redemption Counter. Where they have all these presents, right, that, that you can go up and trade your tickets for. So 1.5 million tickets roughly get you a bouncy ball, right? That's what you can walk out of there with trash bags filled with tickets, you get a, a bouncy ball. Now, if you're anything like me, the... The word redeem uh, really has framed itself around the idea of trading. If you're older than me, uh, grocery stores used to hand out greenbacks stamps. You may... Remember that, that you would collect those and then you could go to a redemption center and trade in filled up books of stamps for a toaster that would work for two or three weeks. Right. And that's uh, that's that's what I think the common understanding of the word redemption is is to trade for something. But in the Bible, especially in this passage of scripture, the, the Bible is not using this word to describe a trait. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, the word that is used most often is the word galal, all right? G A apostrophe A L. That word literally means to buy back. I was in possession of this. It is now out of my possession and now I must purchase that thing back. I, I am... And, and, and really, we see that in, in multiple places. One of the most um, documented is, is a place where that word is translated into the phrase the kinsman redeemer inside the book of Ruth, where Ruth, who has lost all of the land, has lost even herself to be sold into slavery, um, Boaz... Uh, a relative of her mother-in-law comes and buys her land and buys her out of slavery. He buys her back. Now, you may never have experienced that, but in my notes today I have to share it with you. It actually says this in my notes. Share how you ruined Amanda's 20th birthday. (laughs) Last week I told you how I ruined, ruined her 30th birthday this week it's her 20th birthday, and if you stick around long enough, one day I'll get to tell you about how I ruined her 40th birthday. Um, but, but when Amanda turned uh, 20 years old, uh, it, was, it was her 20th birthday, um, I had a court date that day for a, a, a minor traffic ticket. I, I'd forgotten to get my, my registration renewed and my license plate was out of date. And so I showed up a little late for court, okay, a little late, which... Normally wouldn't be that big of a deal, um, but my court date was actually a week before the date that I showed up late for court. So when, when, I, when I went to where they directed me to, which was to the DA, the, the lady who was working there at that moment, informed me that that morning a, a bench warrant had been issued for my arrest. And I asked, there, is there anything I can do about this? And she said, yeah, you can go turn yourself in. I said, well, if I don't do that, what's going to happen? She said, well, maybe in the next few weeks at home or at the place that you work, an officer is going to show up and they're going to arrest you. I'm like, really? I, and, and, and so I said, so I I'm, I'm just drove right down the street, went to uh, to the police department and turned myself in. And they, you know, I was, by this point, I'm getting pretty frustrated because I had a, uh, you know, I had written the day wrong, and the week before, I'd actually been out of town on a mission trip. I, I even couldn't have been there if it would have been that day. So the, uh, the, the, I drove down to the police. The police um, uh, actually followed me in my car back, back up the street to the jail, where I had to sit in front of the magistrate judge. Now, just a bit of advice. Um, never be rude to a magistrate judge, ever doesn't matter how frustrated you are in the moment at all. And because I was pretty frustrated and I was pretty rude and they put a pretty hefty cash bond on me and threw me into a holding cell. So on my wife's 20th birthday, she got this phone call from me that she picked up and it started with these words. You are receiving a collect call from a prisoner in a state correctional facility. Prisoner, please state your name. There you go. And so she came on her birthday, tears in her eyes, and redeemed me. Bought me me back. Over the next few moments, I want to take you and show you the four different words that the Bible uses in the New Testament that are translated into the word redemption. I I believe as we begin to understand what that word means, we're going to see even greater than we've ever seen before what the benefit of redemption means for our lives. All right? Because it's important that we understand that word. It's important that we grasp what God has done in that benefit or we'll never be able to use it. The first word, and this is in your notes, is the word agorazo. Agorazo is is a Greek word. We're coming out of the Greek New Testament. The New Testament was written predominantly in the original language of Greek. And so the words that we're going to look at today are all Greek words. Agorazo means to come out of the market, or it refers to the marketplace for slaves. The marketplace, it's a, this is a, a, a noun describing a place, the marketplace for slaves, It's the word that's used in Revelation 5-9 where the Bible says this, and they sing a new song saying, You are worthy, you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood. You, Jesus, are the one who came out of heaven and came into the marketplace for slaves. Now, the term slavery is a a heavy one. It's it's heavy not just culturally um, because we live in the South and there is a, a a history of a a huge human rights issue in slavery that that was dominating this part of the world several centuries ago. Slavery is maybe in all of humanity one of our greatest sins that we would think that anyone would have the right to own another human being. Okay? And, and really, most people are unaware of this, but slavery is still, even to this day, a huge Issue As a matter of fact, I want to show you this. If you have time, go to enditmovement.com. Enditmovement.com. Because there are people that are working that in this century, by God's grace, we could see an end to slavery. As you would not even understand it, there are more people in slavery today than at any other moment in human history. Slavery was a huge issue in the day of Jesus. As a matter of fact, as he would speak about, there would be things that the the people who would hear this term would immediately recognize. You see, when a slave was being sold, the slave masters would come into the slave market and to test the temperament of that slave, they would beat them. They would beat them intentionally to see how they would react to the beating, to see if they were angry. You know what's interesting? Jesus came into the slave market. He entered this world that is a slave market, and he himself was beaten. And before a slave was often purchased, they would be made in front of everyone to disrobe. So that their physical bodies could be inspected for defects. And you know what's interesting? Our Savior, in front of all mankind, was disrobed and beaten. Jesus entered the slave market. Jesus entered the slave market. The second word that we're going to look at is the word ex-agorazo. Ex-agorazo. The prefix ex meaning to come out of. This word meaning to come out of the market. It's the word that's used in Galatians 3.13 where the Bible says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of Of the law. He has brought us out of the slave market. He has, by His grace and mercy, He found us to be slaves, but He didn't leave us there. Jesus came into the market a slave, but He left the slave market. And it's tough to believe this. But I think that if we're at all honest about who we are and where we've been, all of us have been sold into slavery. Every single one of us have been sold into slavery because sin creates in our lives a bondage. That is exactly like slavery, and I think that that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is pointing to in Romans 6. Let's look what he wrote there in Romans 6. When you were slaves to sin, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was that result? You are now ashamed of the things that you used to do. Things that end in eternal death. You see, slaves that are slaves to sin are slaves to the things that are going to eventually kill them. And all of us, every single one of us, was put on the auction block and sold to slavery. Jesus left the grandeur of heaven where he was worshipped and adored. And he entered the marketplace for slaves so that he could find you. So that he could find you even in the midst of your being sold wholeheartedly into sin so that He could find you to bring you out of that market. There maybe is no better illustration in all the Bible with this than we find in the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea, at the very beginning of the book, God speaks to the prophet Hosea. And God points out a prostitute. And God says, I want you to go get that woman. I want you to buy her. And I want you to marry her. And Hosea, being the righteous man that he is, obeyed God And went and bought, and his wife's name was Gomer. If you're like me, whenever that word is dropped, you think of Gomer Pyle. All right. She did not look like Gomer Pyle. The Bible describes her as being a very, very beautiful woman. And Hosea goes and buys her, brings her home, and they have several children together. You know, you might think. if you're like like me, that 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 kind of thing is over with in the world. That the the selling of women into a a sex industry would be over with. But I would tell you that it's not. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you to go home. Earlier I mentioned enditmovement.com. Go home and look at a21campaign.org. A21 would tell you, based on their research, that not only is human trafficking more active, it's extremely active in the United States. That the stealing of young women to be sold into the sex trade. And they, they identified the Super Bowl as being one of the most um, active moments in domestic activity. You know what's odd about that? You know where the, the, maybe the largest port on the East Coast is? To traffic humans out of the United States is Charleston, South Carolina. And they have an office that works there. Rescuing girls that have been abducted and sold. And that's exactly who Gomer was. And Hosea brought her home. Brought her out of the slave market. Made her his wife. They had children together. But you know, I think the next little passage of Scripture reveals something about what God was doing. Because, see, Gomer didn't stay home After several years, we know that according to the Bible, she decides to leave her family. She goes back and sells herself back into prostitution. And Hosea being left at home with his children, with the wife that has run away, God speaks to him at the beginning of Hosea 3, and says this. Then God ordered me, start all over. Love your wife again. Your wife who's in bed with their latest boyfriend. Your cheating wife. Love her the way I, God, love the Israelite people. Even as they flirt, and party with every god that takes their fancy. So Hosea would go back again. And that brings us to the the next word. The word is lutrosis. The word is lutrosis, which literally means the full payment for a slave. The full payment a slave. It's the word that we find in Hebrews 9, 12 where the Bible records this. With his own blood, he once and for all, once and for all time, secured our redemption forever. With his own blood, he secured our redemption He secured our payment out of slavery. That Jesus paid the price that it would take to buy us back. And I don't know if you guys know anything about negotiating. But if you're negotiating with someone, let me me give you an example of something not to do. Don't let them know you like what you're negotiating over. (laughs) Don't keep telling them how much you love it, how much you care about it. Because all that's going to happen is the price is going to continue to go up and up and up. But you know, there was a negotiation over you and me. And there was no doubt about the value that God had placed on us You can imagine that the conversation went something like this. God said, that little girl, she was sold into slavery. I want to buy her back. And the devil said, that's fine. I'll let you have her, but it's going to cost you. If you want her, I get to kill your son. I'm going to take him, and I'm going to beat him until you can barely recognize him. If you want that little girl, that's fine. But I'm going to then take him and I'm going to hang him on a Roman cross. The most vicious execution in human history. If you want her, that's fine. But that's what it's going to cost you. God said that's fine. That's the payment. See, you can imagine Hosea walking in. As his wife, as his wife is being sold again into slavery. The price being announced, and that voice coming from the back of the room. I'll pay that. I'll pay that price. But it didn't stop there. the last word that we're going to look at is the word apolutrosis, which literally means a full payment, not just for a slave, but for a slave's freedom. It's the word that's used in Ephesians 1-7, where the Bible says this, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom." With the blood of his son and forgave our sins. You see, it was one thing to walk into the slave market and to buy a slave so that you could take that slave home and make it your own. But it was a a total different thing to walk in and to pay the full price so that that slave could walk out free. The prefix apo, when attached to that word, means to take it and to return it to its original state. And the question really has to be asked, well, if God is going to redeem us to the original state that he intended for us, what is that? In the Gospel of Luke and Matthew, the Bible says, records a genealogy of Jesus. For most of you, it's quite boring to read, right? Because if you grew up like I did, maybe reading out of the King James versions, you got to those portions of Scripture as you were reading, and it would say, so-and-so begot so-and-so, and and -and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and then you begot bored and tired of reading that passage, right? But in Luke, Luke does the genealogy of differ of Jesus different. He, he he starts with Jesus and then works backwards and he says Seth the son of Adam Adam the son of God who are we originally created to be? Galatians 4 7 says this, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. You're no longer a slave. The price has been paid. You know, the Bible describes two different marriages. In the very beginning of the Bible, we see the picture of a man and a woman who are created and then brought together in the first marriage. And there's something that happens in the middle of that marriage that blows up the rest of the history of all the world. And that is that Adam and Eve sin. And we know, if you've read the context of Scripture, that Eve chooses to sin, Adam is there with her. But imagine with me just for a moment if that's... Had it went down that way. If Eve would have sinned, well, Adam was away. And Adam were to return home and God would be waiting on him. Say, Adam, I I have some bad news for you today. Your wife has sinned. And you, you know this. I I've told you this before, but sin leads to death. I, I told you that if you ate from that, from that tree, you were going to die. And, and Adam, there's nothing that I can do about it. Sin has now entered her life, and it's going to kill her. Here's a picture of my wife. This is the day we got married. I, I make a point not to tell a lot of stories about the stuff that I do right um, because as a pastor you can do that and it can set this really awkward uh, kind of hurdle for other people. Uh, I, I more intentionally tell you stories about stuff that I do that's wrong. Um, uh, and, and, and I don't tell many stories about my wife because she doesn't get much wrong. Um, she is one of the, the people I've I've ever known. And I can't imagine being in that moment where someone would say, she's going to die. Kevin, she's done something. And all I would be saying is, let me die. Let me die. Not her. Not her. I, I would die in her place. But you know that Adam couldn't do that. But you know the Bible describes another marriage. Later on it tells us that Jesus married the church. We as the church are described as the bride of Jesus. And Jesus looked at all of us. And this conversation most likely did go down. That God looked at us and said to Jesus, your wife is sent. It's out of my hands. She's going to die. Jesus said, she doesn't have to die. I'll go die in her place. Whatever the price is that has to be paid, I'll pay it. Whatever the weight is that has to be carried, I will carry it. So Jesus left heaven, and he entered the marketplace for slaves, himself becoming a slave, to overcome all of sin and death so that he could pay the payment that needed to be paid to ransom us and redeem us out of slavery, but not to remain slave. John 15:15 15, 15. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. You see, as a servant we serve out of a bondage that has created servitude. I am bound to serve. But when Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends, he's recognizing that he has bought the freedom that we would ever need to live a life where we respond to God not out of servitude, but out of a friendship that's built on love. See, Jesus paid the full price for your redemption he paid the full price of your redemption so that you would never have to be a slave again as the band comes up we get ready to wrap things up today I have a question for you today that I want you to think through for you What does this question, or what does this message mean for you? What does this message mean for you individually? That's for everybody to ask for themselves today. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? Maybe today God is reminding you that whatever you're facing, he has already paid the price for you to get out of it. Maybe today some of you are struggling with your value what you're worth, what God thinks of you. And maybe today you just need to be reminded that God sees value in you enough that He was willing to sacrifice His own Son to buy you out of slavery. Let's pray. Jesus, today... We ask you to show us what you're doing in our hearts through this message. God, how the benefit of redemption needs to be applied to our lives. Today, some of us have never fully experienced the redemptive power of your work on the cross, Jesus. And I pray that by your grace and mercy we would today. So, if there's someone in our room today, someone that's here with us that desperately needs to experience the rescue from slavery to sin, I pray that by your grace and your mercy, God, you would come and you would do that. So, with nobody looking around, I want to ask you a question. Have you experienced the redemption of God? Have you experienced the redemption of God? God coming to to buy you out of slavery? Or is your life still being lived, bound to sin that is killing you? Today, if you want that life, that benefit, all you have to do is just ask God, God, I want it. It's available to all of us. If that's you and you know today, I need to experience the redemption of God, would you raise your hand right now? Jesus, I need to experience the release from slavery. For those of us, God, that need this message today, God, we ask you to come and to apply it by your great Holy Spirit. It's in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.